When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Robins on the Wire, a special bumper edition for the January transfer window. In fact, it's our first podcast of the 2020 year. We had a little break over Christmas, a lot of fixtures then, not a lot of people working. Not too much to report just then in terms of transfers or anything like that. So we've kind of left things to now. We're going to discuss very briefly the games over the Christmas period. Don't want to spend too much time talking about that because they've been well covered already. Um, I'm going to be joined shortly by my my boss, essentially, but also uh, sports editor James Piercy. He's going to discuss Bristol City's form of late and... And we'll both chat through where we see the Robins sitting. But I'm just going to give you quickly my, my thoughts very swiftly on the Shrewsbury game, the, the Brentford whooping, um, although there's reasons for that, and also the, the win against Luton Town, the last few games, really. And, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, uh, Boxing Day, Charlton away, close game, end-to-end game. I really thought that was a, a match that could have swung in either direction. Unfortunately, Bristol City playing very well in the second half, coming back into that match, couldn't really deal with Macaulay Bond, who was really outstanding. And I'll tell you what, I'm surprised personally that Bond hasn't really been linked with many other sides because he, he does look a, a class act, certainly in the two games against Bristol City that we've seen. And he caused a lot of problems that day. Unfortunately, some, some individual errors, defensive errors from the likes of Thomas Callas and, and Daniel Bentley and Taylor Moore, particularly for that last goal where Macaulay Bond crossed it low and Daugherty, I think it was, for Charlton, squeezed it in and then far post, but maybe Bentley could have been a bit stronger. I really felt that game could have gone either way and it's unfortunate that it went the way of Charlton, a bit of a reprieve for them. It was their first win in a while and also kind of evened up the the recent trip that they made to Ashton Gate where Josh Brown, who obviously scored a 98th minute winner to make it 2-1 for City. Then then obviously from then we've seen Bristol City go on and and face uh, Brentford on New Year's Day, uh, a game that uh, obviously was a loss um, and also the Luton Town game on the 29th of December which was a good win I'm going to discuss the Luton Town game a little bit shortly with uh, my colleague James but just very briefly on the Brentford game I personally don't pay too much attention to that game and the reason is because I just think that you can't legislate for a red card as early as Ashley Williams has done there. Yes, it's a big error from the from the Wales International. Did he sort of lose his focus after that clash with Ollie Watkins in the first sort of 10 minutes? I think, yes, he probably did. And looking at that 
tackle that he, that he flies into on Watkins. That, it was a real lose-your-head moment. And unfortunately, that just meant it was obviously uphill from then on. And, and I'll be honest, as soon as Brentford scored, I thought this is going to be really just one-way traffic with the way they play. They're so good at keeping the ball. Those front three, I, I think I've remarked on them before, known as the BMW, apparently. Brian Embuemo, Saeed Ben Rama, and Ollie Watkins, obviously, who scored two goals in the second half, which put him up to 17 goals for the season, which is an incredible amount for a striker at this point of the proceedings. Well, yeah, it was always going to basically be tough, basically, against Thomas Frank's side because they keep the ball so well and they're so incisive. Saying that, um, as other people have said, I thought Famry Jeju was really quite magnificent in that game and several other players too, despite City having a man less. So obviously we move from that one on to uh, the the draw in the FA Cup against Shrewsbury. Uh, again, City taking the lead and I, I, it, they didn't start the game well. I, I thought it was a typical FA Cup draw in that they really did look like they were going to, I don't know, maybe be part of a cup set, as they say, and might even go out of the game. But it's one of those ones where the opposition team comes, creates chances, doesn't take them, and then the other team is more clinical. That's the way I thought it was going to pan out until uh, Sean Goss obviously hit that long-range shot into the far corner that that, um, Nicky Mainpar couldn't get anywhere near. And obviously that sets up the Liverpool uh, draw for the... uh, Sorry, the the possible game against Liverpool after the draw for the FA Cup fourth round. Uh, City with a great incentive now to go to the uh, Gay Meadow and and get a result against Shrewsbury Town. I don't think, as we all know, it's not going to be easy because basically the Shrews are a really nuggety little team and I was impressed by them. I thought they were well worth their draw at the weekend. So... Essentially, City in poor form, and I'm going to come on to this a little bit later, but I want to get on to basically the the bigger news, transfers and stuff. But just, yeah, just to start things off, here's me talking with uh, basically the sports editor of Bristol Live, James Piercy, as we evaluate where Bristol City sit at this moment in time. In terms of their form, how big an issue it is, how much is Lee Johnson at fault, is he a man under pressure, do they need to beat Wigan this coming weekend, Here's what we believe is the case right now. So I'm joined by sports editor James Pearcey, who's led the way on a couple of Bristol City stories across the Christmas. We won't delve into that just here. But I had one question for you, James, really, and we'll sort of start from there and see where we go with it. But where do you see Bristol City sitting right now, beyond, obviously, the, the, the place in the Championship um, but in terms of where they are with their form and business coming in and out and where they are in terms of meeting their objectives this season, where do you think they're at? So that's a three-pronged question. <laughs> the longest question. Three-pronged question. So in terms of their form, I mean, I think the, from a results point of view, obviously it hasn't been good. Um, the positivity kind of within that is the fact that the league... Position has been affected, but their actual kind of relevance within the playoff chase, if you like, they're still very much in the conversation. And I, I, I don't want to sort of kind of parrot what Lee Johnson said on Wednesday, but ultimately the championship is Leeds and West Brom, and then probably a group of maybe ten, maybe maybe more teams. 
And I think we're going to see that kind of combination of playoff teams rotate. I mean, you can say Brentford, but then if Brentford got a couple of major injuries, I think there's, I don't think they've got a particularly big squad that could have a big impact. Preston signing Scott Sinclair, that's an interesting one, could improve them. Um, but again, we're getting into kind of transfer chat. So I think it's worrying. I think it's tr- the, the, the fundamental problem, uh, sorry, concern for me, I think, is the goals they're conceding and kind of the the kind of the, the the manner in which the goals they are conceding, and the fact they're coming from either individual mistakes or sort of systematic mistakes, which speaks of maybe sounds a bit strong, maybe lack of concentration, um, switching off confidence ultimately plays into that as well. And I think when you look at City. And perhaps you know maybe I'm, I'm sort of buying into Lee's shtick a bit too much, but I do I do think there is value in what he says when you know they are they, they are fundamentally a very young squad, and I think it, although it, I just want to throw in because Williams the, no the familiar refrain is that Brentford came and won with a, a team averaging that's, age of that's an excellent point that's an excellent no. point but obviously they probably you know played Brentford at a bad time no that's a fair point to be fair um, but I think they're they're a team. Oh, the, 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 it, they're finding it difficult to get out of this trough um, and there's kind of there's characters within that team that need to come to the surface that haven't yet or haven't been able to within this period is when you get into your kind of your leadership group and I do kind of wonder if there's a leadership group quite as strong as there has been in previous seasons due to the inexperience due to maybe the characters in the dressing room um, yeah, I think, that's a thing. Good, I think that's a good point. Because without yeah. wanting to point out, and I don't mean to single, but, you know, obviously there's extra responsibility on Josh Brownhill beyond this kind of ability in midfield. But he's, as, as kind of captain, as midfield linchpin, his performances always kind of need to exceed everyone else. And the problem is he's, he's almost very much representative of where City are at the moment. Um, I mean, it's always been said, isn't it, when Josh Brownhill plays well, Bristol City tends to play well. And likewise, when he doesn't play well, neither do the team. Yeah. And I think there's too many individuals kind of... I mean, you even have to look at Ashley Williams as well. The, oh, there's the, plenty the, of players who, whose form of, of just dropped away. Yeah, as Thomas Callas. Callas has been another one. Yeah. But, but actually... Um, you know, as well. Yeah, and it's kind of this individual thing which is forming a collective problem. I guess, you know, if you're talking it from a mental point of view, then it wouldn't take... I don't think it would take much, therefore, then to turn it round. Um, you know, they've got two fixtures coming up, very winnable games, obviously Wigan and Shrewsbury. And I think, on the, uh, you know, following on from that, I think that that can create a, a quick upsurge in confidence. Because I do think it, they do seem, you know, the, 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 this kind of, they do kind of really feel defeats there. You know, like it, it, it always sort of, obviously Lee Johnson doesn't, but a lot of the players are sort of, it, it does feel to sort of get on top of them quite Maybe a bit. mentally fragile a little bit. Well, fragile's maybe a bit strong, but I think it affects them. Yeah. I think they're quite affected. And I think if you, if you take, if you take a player, a championship player, I don't know, I mean, he's like the classic sort of the Jake Livermore type, you know, he's not going to be. They, you know, they, he he he, he's he, has, battle well, he has three you know, he has three bad performances in a row. Um, maybe you know, or someone like Calvin Phillips or someone like that because he's a defensive midfielder. Well, right? maybe, but they, it doesn't seem to get on top of them quite. And he, and he sort of he, he made, Lee Johnson often talks about consistency. You've always got to be consistent, and the consistency hasn't been there. And the problem, I I, I must admit, I do worry about the individual mistakes because that do that does kind of speak of kind of an emotional problem within either certain players 
or the system itself. So that's my magic. Because I think when you when when you strip it all away, it's still a very very talented squad and a very talented team that were doing well. Okay, there's flaws to it. Um, you know, we can talk about the the create the chance creation and that sort of thing. But you know, Nicholas Eliasson's been one of the best players in the championship. I think it's fair to say through December. Um, you know, obviously Adam Nadge carrying the injury, but just, just sort of tying into that. I think you were there, weren't you, for the last time they win? They won, sorry, the Luton Town. Yes. Game. So we need to get you down, Ashton Gatewell, because because they've not won since. Possibly. Um, but what did you make of them on that day? That's well, it was just a, it was a professional performance mm. against a very poor team, and you can you can point to Luton. Oh my God, how bad Luton must have been! But you know. City made them look bad as well, you know, there's a, there's a cause and effect thing here. And I think, it, 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 you know... the Eliasson was very good. Eliasson was very good, and it was kind of the best aspect. And you can see, obviously, the talent there. I mean, the Brentford was just a disaster, really, in terms of that first 15 minutes, which did kill them. Um, and it was, you know... Do you just write hard. that game off? That's the way I see it a little bit. I think a little bit. I think a little bit. The, the, I, guess, I guess you could then look at the Shrewsbury game... And there wasn't much change. That was the problem. Um, and that you know they're, they're in this downward spiral, perhaps maybe downward spiral. Okay, maybe not quite that, not fast, but maybe it's not just, quite a spiral. Yeah, it's becoming. Yeah, yeah, it's becoming. Yeah. It's becoming a concern. And I think, but but the, the championship. It's almost like you almost throw logic out the window with the championship, mm. and you have to accept that because of the consistency and the, qual- the the relative quality of so many teams in that division from. Third down to fifteenth, maybe beyond that. The, invariably, every team's going to have a bad run. Every team's going to go on a, on a on a losing streak, and every team's then going to go on winning streaks. I know City and Lee Johnson's Bristol City have this kind of annoying habit of doing it more often than most, seemingly. But maybe that's what they Streaky are. Streaky Johnson is going to maybe streak. that's what they are. You know, yeah. and, and and it's not going to take much. To kick into an eight to ten game winning streak again. Just, just, just rounding off. Just um, got one last question, which is really two things. You were obviously there with myself as we asked Lee Johnson questions yesterday. What did you make of Lee Johnson in that press conference? And also, is this game this weekend against Wigan must win? Um, uh, I actually thought he was. I mean, he's, you know, he speaks with kind of confidence anyway, doesn't he? Sort of naturally. He didn't seem. He didn't seem a man. I mean, he's under pressure. I think he's, there's always internal pressure for himself um, in terms of you know he's he's, he's he's an incredibly competitive guy. He wants to win. Um, he's he's aware of kind of that the, the results haven't been good enough. He didn't. He, he he was always kind of keen to hammer that he didn't. He doesn't feel performances have been as poor as the results. So the results haven't reflected the performances. There's obviously going to be a ton of people who disagree with that. Um, but he didn't. You know, he spoke at length. He wasn't kind of irritated by any questions. Dare I say, he seemed fairly relaxed, comfortable. Uh, of course, he's confident, um, and he kind of has to be. But he has to kind of maintain that. If he knows his squad and maybe struggling a bit in terms of the pressure, expectation, confidence issues, he has to kind of be that barometer yeah. of like, good point. Yeah, this is where we are. He has to maintain that. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen, you know, there's been fair point made about kind of his antics at the end of Brentford with Thomas Frank, and that's kind of like a clear frustration at the situation. But I think it's also frustration with the game that, yeah. you know, because he would have been, the thing is, with the Brentford game, because of what Brentford are, because he loves all the clubs in the Championship, like Preston, like Brentford, the kind of the, the Bristol City-type models. 
who are working their way at the league the right way. So I think in games against them, he sees them as like real the challenges. Key battles, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah. sort of similar challenges. And I think he looks at t- coaches like Thomas Frank and thinks he's like me. Mm. And then obviously to that to go so bad, mm. that's where the frustration stem from, you know, because it's his own kind of individual. He's, he's lost his own individual yeah. battle. He's an emotional you know? guy, isn't he? Yeah, like I mean, his dad. It's like the bulldog inside, the pit bull inside, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but in terms of his general demeanour, um, yeah, I, I thought he was absolutely fine. Um, I mean, sorry, what was the second? What was the second part of the question? Wigan, oh. Wigan this weekend. Is it, it must win. win. Bear in mind, bear in mind that Wigan have only won one out of yeah. their last fifteen games, I believe. Although yeah. they have had four draws, I believe. Well, it, in the last it, it, it depends. I think okay, it's six. a must win in terms of getting supporters off his back. I think it's a must win in that regard because if they do get what we would call a poor result. Um, whether that be a defeat or a draw, I guess a draw could be conceived as a poor result. I'm not sure it is, but it would be the perception would be it's a poor result. I think that would only enhance kind of uh, the, the the ammunition that various people and various groups of people have against Lee Johnson. And that's just going to continue, and it, that unfortunately that for us, for you know when we're going to speak to Lee Johnson, when we're talking in the office, that's the conversation. You know, the conversation becomes about what everyone's talking about at the moment in terms of the, uh, the head coach's position, which is completely safe as it stands. So from a, from, a, from a supporter's point of view, I do think it's a must-win game. From Lee Johnson's point of view, within kind of his role, I don't think it is necessarily must-win because I still think City are in touch with the playoffs. There's obviously ambitions to strengthen the team throughout the month. Um, so they, could, they should enter February looking stronger. I guess from the playing squad point of view, I think it's about the performance more than anything. I think, don't get me wrong, a win to, to sort of tap into the must-win concept as well. Yes, it would be fantastic for confidence levels, but I think a performance is what's important as well. Uh, I think the bigger must-win game is probably Shrewsbury, to be honest, for, for, for a number of reasons. Um, primarily financial mm. and I think if you if you've kind of teed up this opportunity to play Liverpool on a Sunday evening live on TV mm. um, Liverpool probably the best team in the world at the moment and then, world and champions world yeah. champions and you're denied by, yeah. with all with the greatest of respect to Shrewsbury who are great yeah. on the day but you're denied by a league one a mid, you know a mid sort of mid-ish ranking league one team you really should be beating I think that would be the bigger body blow he will be upset if he doesn't win that game yeah. James that's brilliant thank you very much for your time Cheers, let's get you down to Ashton Gate again sometime. oh yeah, yeah, yeah you seem to be a lucky charm so no, I don't know about can, that but we'll see we can win so nice one cheers so yeah that was my conversation with James Piercy and I have to say we're recording this on the Thursday things are moving very very quickly as regards transfers going to run through a load of stuff now but before I do that we're going to hear a little bit from Lee Johnson uh, as we asked him about transfers and more and also him discussing the latest with the Bristol City squad here's what head coach Lee Johnson had to say ahead of facing the Latics this weekend one win in the last seven games where chiefly does the team need to improve beyond obviously scoring more goals and conceding fewer um yeah, I think I think we we got to improve. I think there's no doubt in that. Um, from that period of games, I think that I I tend to look at it differently a little bit to you. Do you know what I mean? It's your job to to present those type of stats, um, but it's my job to individually analyse and assess on an individual basis. You know, if I go the last two or three games, for example, Charlton. 
I thought we got back in it great individual errors um, really disappointing and, and then an outstanding performance against Luton at home where you know I mean people can or we can or anybody can uh, knock the other team down but you know I mean you've got to play against a, a championship side that fighting for their lives and I thought we were so professional in that game and really assured in everything that we did um, and then a write off game almost after 16, 17 minutes whatever it was um, to a good Brentford side I suppose that's a disappointing thing because the atmosphere potentially changes you know we win that game with joint fourth and, uh, and the world's our oyster whereas like the, the pessimists amongst us will then see that as a as a negative and, and potentially um, the glass is uh, half empty if you know what I mean but we're very very positive in house and we know that we've had trials and tribulations to come through um, both as individuals and, and emotionally as a team and uh, like I say the rest I think is has been really good I think it's a bit of a reset button a bit of a freshener for the boys like physically and emotionally and we we set up what is a, a really good week I think and uh, a tough week don't get me wrong but a really good week that we should be going into it um, as fresh as possible I don't want to overplay the recent form and you have had good spells earlier in the season I just wondered how serious inside the club are taking this recent spell of form as does um, I mean how often do you speak to like for example um, the board for example or Mark yeah I think we speak on a regular basis like we've got a really really good relationship like between myself Steve Lansdowne John Lansdowne Mark Ashton Doug Harmon which is the board um, like yeah of course we have robust conversations but it's all for the greater good you know it's all like um, every decision that we make at this football club is for the long term prospects and, and to be beneficial for the owner's mindset which is like we've moved towards that sustainable model while being successful so like yeah it's, it, there are sweet this is a very proud football club and nobody wants success i can guarantee you more than me um for the people if you like and for the bristol city fans but we're not the finished article by any sense of the imagination we're not a side that's got 20 to 25 established uh, Premier League slash Championship players. We're trying to nurture these boys. Even the side against Shrewsbury was really, really young side and, and a lot very, very talented but very young. With young players, you're going to make mistakes and you've got to nurture them through it. You've got to uh, deal with dips in form. You've got to deal with life and, and the things that life throws at you as individuals. And, and for what a 21-year-old might have to feel going through a certain situation that same player at 30 might feel completely different because obviously he's always gone already gone through that scenario um so yeah like to be honest the mood's really good like it was a great session today the boys are at like sort of like say the rest was 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 due and uh, and needed and then you have a couple of days day and a half and you start getting bored and realize that you love football again and want to come in and see your mates you know what i mean and, and it was a good session today um focused on our communication um but all football and uh like i say we uh preset and reset ready for uh, saturday 
Is the January transfer window is open? Is there anything close to happening um, in terms of? It's very difficult to answer that with total clarity because, like, obviously I'm involved in the in the daily interactions and and it's almost like spinning plates where like one could could fall um, and that's gone completely because they're not affordable to us or accessible or even available um, or something could could we lift the plate off and put it in our back pocket because the deal's done so like. There's a, there's a lot of things going on, both ins and outs, that could be uh, a day, or it could be two weeks. Do you know what I mean? And right on the last day of the window, so I can't give you a defined um, time scale on when the almost the domino effect starts coming into play. Um, there's some speculation about Bailey Wright's future at the club. Is he still in your long-term plans? Well, Bailey's out of contract at the end of the year. Um, so, like at the moment, the club haven't entered talks into into a new one. I think Bailey is a fantastic human first and foremost, and a very good football player. And uh, like we have to decide what's right for for all parties on that one. So, I know there's been interest in him. Five or six clubs have expressed an interest, and uh, and it's something that like we have to sit down and and around the table. And decide exactly that, really, what the future is for that one. Some fans say Bristol City need a ball winner in the middle of midfield. Would you agree with them on that, or do you see that differently? Um, I can understand where they're coming from. Like, I think that Adam is a good example. Like, his form has has been outstanding at times, but his ankles affecting him. Like, there's no there's no doubt that you, know, you look at the Charlton game first half. Not great. Second half outstanding. Um, game the other day, like didn't look like he was getting around the pitch. So we've had a good discussion today on on steps to take to make sure his ankles um, in a better place, if you know what I mean, than it has been over the last three or four weeks. And these are the types of things that like people would never be able to see. You know what I mean? Because it's it's not really tangible. And if we don't give you the example like for when we changed the team for example against um, to bring Corey in for Brentford uh, after a very good Luton performance that, that all becomes part of the calculation um, but what we're, what we're driving towards is obviously a consistency and uh, at the moment our, our performances have been too sporadic both in games uh, obviously and over over the few would he need an operation like that? he might do it's an option like he can play but he is playing with pain at the moment and and he's still a young player it's his first real injury um, it's, he's new in terms of like he's coming across to a completely different culture and he's a fantastic player and uh, all we want of course is to is to help him if you know what I mean and try and get him into a place where he's he's the best he can be but I think Adam's like an actual ball winner in terms of his interceptions and his reading of the game. I think Hanoa, yes, he's young, but uh, but he, he makes a lot of interceptions. He's very busy. Corey Smith obviously can can win a tackle in midfield, but yeah, of course, there's a, if you gave me the option of bringing Kante in uh, for the ball, then you'd have to look at it. Um, just finally, sort of on the recruitment side, just want to ask you about recruitment meetings. Do you, do you still have those, and how does it work in terms of 
Um, do you suggest names or do, do you have names suggested to you? And do you decide where the team needs strength <coughs> or is that a joint decision? How, how does that work? Um, it's very free-flowing in terms of there's a number of ways an individual name could come to the party. One is data, so statistics. It might be someone that we've never heard of or I've never heard of, but it gets presented because the data analysts have found someone that fits into our game perfectly. It could be that I just fancy someone or one of my staff or assistants just fancy someone. It might be agent-led, in which case often you don't know a certain situation might arise, but an agent awares you of a potential um, player that might come in. Um, and that is ever evolving and revolving really to be honest and then obviously they have to be affordable accessible and available in terms of I mean they have to fit the wage structure um, Mark Ashton has to do his thing but it's very fluid I have to I get involved in certain areas it will cross over um, but the final say in terms of selection is always is down to me well you could say it's always down to Lansdowne in the end because at the end of the day it's them that will will uh, say yes or no. But in terms of the football, um, not the finances, then it will always be down to... And this, is, and this is the bit that's the challenge with this football club because there's three parts to this football club really. One is, is win the league by 20 points, which we're desperately trying to do. Two is develop... 11 sort of homegrown Bristol born players and three is trade towards sustainability if you know what I mean so like between those three areas uh, we've got to try and try and do a bit of everything and that obviously is developing our own that's developing the players that we've we've bought the likes of Masengo um, Eliasson for example to either take us to a point where we're, we're good enough to get promoted or to trade to then go again um, and then obviously you have the uh, the fact that you need some ready-made players, if you like, um, that are going to limit mistakes and, and be um, secure at the level, if you know what I mean, uh, in every way. Did, uh, has anyone replaced Mervyn Day in the end? There's a few rumours from City fans that Pete Johnson might, might come <laughs> in. That's probably a, no, a wild rumour. I can assure you that's a wild rumour. There seems to be a lot of wild rumours at the moment. <laughs> Um, no, it's not going to work like that. It's like um, again, it's Mark Ashton's field. It's a better question for him, really. Um, but at the same time, it's a. He, I think he would describe it as a wheel, really, as a recruitment wheel, and he's the glue, if you like, that sits in the middle of it. In, but at the same time, there are experts in their field um, dropping players in. But it's not easy because to get better than what we've got for what we can afford um, is not easy because, like I say, we're not one of the most, uh, the highest resourced clubs, if you like, in terms of wages in the division. Um, also, what's the plan for um, Luke Williams has left? Is Alex going to stay in charge of the under-23s? Any decision? Um, no decision made yet. It's a, again, it's a conversation that uh, probably will be had after January. Um, and like the whole structure of it again needs to be probably looked at just for the right reasons. You know, we've got some great people in the academy, um, and it may be that other pe- like um, coaches can step up or can uh, move certain people into certain roles. But yeah, for sure, there's probably uh, 
one or two spots, if you like, that we need to fill um, in those areas. Just final question for myself. Uh, Wigan at the weekend, just one win in their last 15 league games. How do you see that challenge coming up? Been playing well, mate. They have, they have been playing some, some very... I would, like, looking at the games, I would probably say that they're, they've been playing as well as a, as a Paul Cook Wigan side's played in the Championship. So, um, yeah, they're a good side. Um, but I think they'll be thinking the same about us. Do you know what I mean? They'll be looking at our game saying, well, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday, referee and decision. Charlton could have gone each way. Luton, fantastic. Do you know what I mean? Brentford right off after 20 minutes. So, like, I think it's a typical championship game. Um, I think that I'm looking forward to the week, you know, because it's going to be an interesting week and a, and a challenging week. Lee Johnson there with the latest on the Robins. So, yeah, let's move on to probably the juiciest thing at the moment. The January transfer window is open. There's a heck of a lot to get through here, so I'm going to try and run through it all. Are Bristol City close to making incomings? Yes, we believe they are. We've been told at this very second, in fact, at the time of recording, that Bristol City are hopeful of getting something done before the weekend game against Wigan. Now, we do know, obviously, that they want a striker, and I'm going to come on to Eddie Enketia in some detail. He is a main target for Bristol City this window. He is the favourites with the bookies at this moment in time, and that does impact on other moves, because unless they can find a resolution on that, then Bristol City might not move on to another sharpshooter striker. However, don't forget that we have reported previously that they do want four, um, two forwards, ideally, this window, including a second forward who's more of a, a hold-up player, sort of taller striker, maybe more of an aerial presence, basically someone who can offer a... Um, some competition for Fam Jeju and might even have a knock-on impact on Fam Jeju's future himself at Bristol City, which is something we'll have to keep on uh, an eye on. So, yeah, going to reel off some of the names that we've already reported in terms of strikers that they like. Um, we, we've already said that they like Connor Wickham. He's somebody, again, he's at this moment in time, our understanding that he is not actually on the market, unfortunately, and is likely to stay at Crystal Palace. He scored at, uh, against New Newcastle, I think it was the other weekend, or somebody else, certainly a Premier League goal. Uh, and he is, at the moment, playing for the Eagles. However, do, don't forget that the Crystal Palace want to bring in a striker themselves. They are looking at the likes of Michi Batshuayi, um, have also been linked with other strikers. I think Olivier Giroud, um, somebody else as well that I've temporarily forgotten. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens there because if they do bring in a forward, then it might obviously release someone like Wickham to then go out. But there would be competition for Wickham. A lot of other teams would be interested in him as well. Rian Brewster, we can cross that one off. He is someone that Bristol City likes. We've said that before. He's now gone to Swansea. Dwight Gale, a player that we've said for a long time Bristol City... Um, Club sources have said to us that he is a player that Bristol City do like, but and he is on their list. That one has not been ruled out. However, it is very, very difficult because of the finances involved. And if something like that was to go through, it's only going to be possible at the very end of the transfer window because essentially, as Lee Johnson would say, every club needs to wait their turn at the table, i.e. that means that bigger clubs than Bristol City will come in and have first dibs first. If nothing materialises, then it might just be that Bristol City can land a player of, of that calibre. But we're going to have to see. Britta Sombolonga, another long-term target. 
Our understanding that is that wages are a big problem there, and there might yet be Premier League interest in Asombolonga. He is a player that we understand is available this window. Middlesbrough would um, like to get, maybe like is a little bit too strong, but are open to getting um, to letting Asombolonga leave in January. Uh, there are there is interest in him. One name that we're hearing at the moment, I don't even think this has been reported elsewhere, is that there's a possibility he might even be of interest to Aston Villa. Aston Villa are desperate for a striker to replace the injured Wesley. And again, this is the the whole problem is at the moment. There's a lot of stagnation in the market because. We all have to wait for the big clubs to make their moves, decide who they're going to get, and then uh, everybody else then uh, basically brings in four, uh, players accordingly, uh, depending on who is then available. So, for example, a player like Eddie Nketiah, and I have to say, we've, we're hearing stuff on Eddie's future all the time. It could be that uh, Arsenal decide to actually keep him in. There's uh, Mikel Arteta has been saying today, in fact, that... Um, a final decision hasn't been made on Enketia from the Arsenal end. And there's some speculation that Martinelli, their forward, who is going to be going away with the Brazil, I think, under-23s on an, in an international tournament, that then might create the space for Enketia to stay at Arsenal. So there's a chance that there might be nothing to happen there. However, our understanding is that Arsenal are happy for Enketia to come to Bristol City. Um, there's a big chance of him coming here still, but there is a lot of interest, as we've said before. Championship sides, um, David Ornstein said that Sheffield Wednesday and Nottingham Forest are big competitors for, for his uh, next few months on loan. We understand there's a chance he might even go to uh, Germany. I've reported how he moved agents uh, about a month ago and his new agency, the, the Elite uh, Project Group, uh, have a lot of clients in Germany. They look after the likes of Adam Ola Luckman, uh, Jaden Sancho, other players, um, Chuba Akpom, who's playing in, in Greece, Josh Major, who's playing in France, a lot of players who, who have moved to the continent, essentially. And it could be a possibility for um, Eddie Nketiah. The very latest that I've heard, or I've been told by my sources, is that this one is going to drag. So we're not expecting a resolution any um, at all just yet. And in fact, there might be even um, more clubs to come to the table. We're hearing that there might be interest from, unfortunately, bigger clubs than Bristol City, but we'll keep you posted on that one. He is a big target for the Robins, though they may have to move on. If they do move on, people have been saying to me, where might they go? Well, I've already mentioned those guys already and we do believe that the club is specifically looking for players with championship experience. They want players who can come in and hit the ground running. Mark Ashton was spoke on BBC Radio Bristol and he explained that he had a list of half a dozen targets that they were looking at. They do that for every position. They want one forward, maybe two if they can. And he explained himself that the club is really looking for players who can make the difference now. So... We expect them to go for one of those guys mentioned, maybe even the likes of Scott Hogan, who was a previous transfer target. He uh, Bristol City this time a year ago were in for Scott Hogan. Uh, we reported that at the time. And unfortunately, uh, Hogan went to Sheffield United. He even then scored uh, at, for Sheffield United, where he was on loan, of course, scored in that 3-2 game. I actually asked Lee Johnson, Lee Johnson about Hogan after that game, after the 3-2 win. And um, I have to say, Lee... Uh, had a little pop back at me is probably, probably the way to explain it. 
um, in the press conference. And uh, yeah, he wouldn't give too much away from that one. But uh, we believe he is on the list and he could be another guy that they revisit depending on what happens elsewhere. One, another name, and I don't believe this is someone who Bristol City are looking at because he doesn't fit the profile here, but the, what happens with the likes of Billy Sharp could make a big difference because there's a lot of championship clubs interested in him. If he moves elsewhere, that might then, may then release other players to then make the move to Ashton Gate. So we're going to basically have to be patient and, and see what happens. And that's unfortunately how it works for um, a team like the Robins at this moment in time. So, yeah, moving on. That's just, <laughs> that's just strikers covered there. If Bristol City aren't able to bring in uh, a, a player, players with um, championship experience, there's three names here I've previously reported already that we know that they have kept an eye on. We're not aware of any bids at this moment in time, but just guys they're, they're monitoring. They are Andreas uh, sorry, Andras Sporar of Slovan Bratislava. We've been uh, speaking to Slovan Bratislava ourselves today, in fact, spoken to uh, one of their, I think it's their technical director, who's actually given us some quotes on that and um, saying that there's a lot of um, interest in that particular striker. Um, he has interested uh, Celtic Sporar. He's got a fantastic goal-scoring record in the Europa League. Um, so he's one that the Bristol City are aware of, as is Ahmed Hassan. He's a player who plays for FC Braga, um, tallest um, centre forward. He's, he's um, represented by uh, George Mendes, the, the big Portuguese influential uh, football agent. He's somebody that we understand Bristol City have met with and spoken with uh, over the last year and uh, are keen to maybe... Um, uh, do some business with if they can if it helps them bring in quality players that will help City make the move to the next level so something to keep an eye on there Sam Cosgrove is another player that we believe Bristol City are watching he's the Aberdeen forward 23 years old we believe he's a, a player that has come up in conversations uh, with Aberdeen when uh, basically the Dons have spoken with Bristol City over Zach Viner's loan Viner injured at the moment uh, with a shoulder injury and, yeah, those conversations have taken place, including the name of uh, Scott McKenna, the centre-back. We reported that there was an interest in him, we believe. And McKenna, I mean, he's, he's a very uh, good centre-back who's wanted by a lot of championship size, Scotland international. We're hearing that um, a price tag as high as nine or ten million pounds may have been quoted for him previously and he's not someone who Aberdeen wants to lose just at this moment in time but possibly in the future but those guys from foreign fields we understand that the club may go for one of those if they can't bring in domestic targets that's the way it's going to pan out they might move up, um, to one of those guys if they don't bring in someone with championship experience Again, we're not aware of anything just at this moment of time, but our understanding is that Bristol City hope to do some business before Wigan, so there might even be something happening on Friday. If we hear of anything, we shall let you know. In terms of outgoings, so much to cover here. Where do I go? Sam Schmodix. Now, we've been saying all along that he's going to go to Huddersfield. The latest is he's not going to go to Huddersfield. We reported yesterday that this one was um, impacted by Arsenal, of all people. They are sending out Emil Smith-Rowe. 
Now, we believe that Emil Smith-Rowe is a player that might well go to Huddersfield. I believe, in fact, Sky Sports are saying that that is a deal close to going through. And we reported yesterday that if that goes through, then Sam Schmodix will not be of interest to the Terriers anymore. And instead, Huddersfield will settle for Smith-Rowe. And it means that Schmodix will then be available to another club. We believe, I think we've reported already, that Hull were interested in in Schmodix, but that is not a go because Lee Johnson does not want to see Schmodix go to a club that's a rival. And also, Hull wished to insert a, a, a clause in it to make the deal permanent in the future. That's not something that appeals to Bristol City. They want to keep Sam Schmodix. They see him as a very good talent. He's been great in pre-season games. We haven't seen it at the championship level just yet, but he's got a big future, a very talented player, attacking midfielder. A lot to come from him still. So they don't want to part with Schmodix, but they are... Um, expected to let him go out because Lee Johnson, of course, he wants to trim his squad. He wants fewer players in the squad. So, yeah, Schmodix might well go to Ipswich Town. There's interest from them. Portsmouth have been reported as coming to the table. And we understand there's another third team which temporarily um, escapes my mind. But, yeah, looking at a League One loan. Add um, Hakiba Delican. He's on the verge of uh, joining... Joining temporarily escaped me and reported this morning. He is going to be joining Rotherham United. Paul Warren. He, he, I forgot for a second, even though I reported that one myself this morning. He's very close to um, joining up at the New York Stadium. If you remember, Zach Viner was on loan at uh, Rotherham last season. Uh, with Paul Warren, who's got a fantastic relationship with Bristol City. These relationships are always key. They give you a little indication of where players may go. And yeah, Delican is going to go to join up with the Millers for the rest of the season. We'll see what he can do. Um, other outgoings, Antoine Semenyo. Now, a lot of talk about him going to Sunderland, Sunderland, but my understanding is that he might well go to Doncaster Rose. In fact, my understanding is that uh, Darren Moore has even made a presentation to Semenya already about um, basically showing him what could be achieved at Doncaster Rovers uh, for the 20-year-old Bristol City striker, who, don't forget, a year ago was attracting bids from Chelsea. So he, Semenya, for me, is the future of Bristol City with Seiku Janna. Going to come on to Janna in a second. And, yeah, those two guys have got... Um, yeah, the best times ahead of them at Bristol City and no way does the club want to let them go, but they do need to play. Again, it comes back to Lee Johnson wanting to trim his squad. On Janna, I understand he's gone to watch Swindon Town play and as long as Swindon Town can free up room in terms of loans, and they did uh, lose their striker Doyle just yesterday, then we're expecting Janna to go to Swindon Town. They're top of uh, um, League Two, I almost called it Division Two then, uh, League Two, and yeah, they are expected to tie up a deal for um, Jenna in the in the new uh, sorry in the next uh, few weeks, as long as there is a availability regarding loans. They had six, I believe, but they need to get that down to five to bring in Jenna. He's returned now after uh, his time at Torquay United. Of course, Tyreek Bakinson, we know about that one. He's gone to Plymouth. Elsewhere, Jojo Walcott has been recalled and he's expected to uh, sit on the bench, possibly with uh, James Morton. James Morton's been recalled. My understanding on that is that he will not be leaving Bristol City for the next six months as it stands. 
However, things change. People don't realise this, but things change all the time. New offers come in, so we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Finally, Bailey Wright, the club captain. Well, Lee Johnson explained that there are five to six clubs in for him. It very much does sound like the best thing might be for Bailey to move on and play first-team football. So we'll keep you posted on that. If he goes, then it does seem like, obviously... The Robins will bring in a replacement. There's been some links with Ben Gibson. I haven't even had a chance to check out the rumours on that one and see if there's any truth in that, but we will do. Um, and just so much stuff to get through here. So just rounding off the transfers segment, we're going to hear from Jay De Silva now. We asked him about his friendship with uh, Eddie Enketia and a lot more recently. Uh, we have reported that Enketia has actually spoken to Jay De Silva and I believe Casey Palmer as well about a move to Bristol City. That's how close it is uh, and a poss- big possibility that it is. And here's what Jay had to say about uh, Eddie and a whole lot more at Bristol City. Great to see Jay back involved in the, in the team really need him down that left flank and uh, hopefully he's going to be back to his best form soon after recovering from injury. Hiya Jay, um, how have you spent the last couple of days? Because I think Lee's given the squad a few days off to recover after Shrewsbury. Have you done anything special? Got away anywhere? Uh, no, nothing nothing too special to be honest. Just uh, spent the last couple of days at home uh, with family. Just chilling out, relaxing, feet up, to be honest. Yeah, nothing nothing too special. Recovering. Did did you watch the FA Cup draw and obviously got Liverpool? What, what's your reaction to that? Um, obviously, it's a, it's an exciting exciting draw. Um, but we just need to make sure we beat Shrewsbury first um, and not get too excited about it. I think we've got to focus on the, the, the league game coming up on the weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, does it give you extra motivation now to beat Shrewsbury? I guess it does, really. I think we were a bit disappointed after the after the last game to have to go back to replay. Um, so we already wanted to make things right. So I guess it does give a bit more of an incentive um, to to get the job done. Obviously, it was a draw at the weekend, and it's now uh, one win only in the last seven games. Um, how do you see Bristol City's form at the moment? It's, it's obviously not too good. Is there any reason there for that that you can see? Do you, can you put your finger on anything? Um, obviously, it's not the greatest run of results um, recently, but yeah, I, it's just it's just one of the things. I think uh, we know what we need to do um, as long as we just keep staying positive, um, confident. Soon, that, the hard work will pay off, and uh, we know we're we're a good squad, so um, the results will soon come. And how do you assess your own form at the moment? Obviously, are you feeling 100% fit at the moment? Um, obviously, you had a few months out with injury, but I take it you're feeling good at the moment. Yeah, yeah, feeling good. Feeling good now. Um, just happy to be back. Um, obviously, it was a long four or five months um, out. But yeah, happy to be back. Feeling good. Feeling back to 100%. So, just looking forward to the second half of the season. And so, Wigan away next. What kind of challenge will they offer? Um... We know we know what we're gonna about. Um, last season we didn't do great there and at home against them. Um, so we'll be definitely trying to put put things right this 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 time around. Um, we know it's going to be a tough game, but as, as as I said before, as long as we just focus on on what we do um, when we're at our best, we can, we can beat anyone in the league. Um, just finally, from myself, Bristol City have been linked with Arsenal's Eddie Nketiah. Do you think he'd be a good signing? Have you ever come across him in your time? Did you play against him at all? Um, 
Yeah, I've played I've played with him and against him um, in the youth youth ages and like England set up. Um, he's he's yeah he's a good he's a good player. I like him. He's a he's a friend of mine. So. Um, friend of yours, would you like to see him at Ashton Gate? Could he could he make a difference here? Um, if he, to be fair, yeah, if he's a good player, so if he did if he did if he did come here, I'm sure it'd be a a, a good addition to the side. Nice one. Cheers, Jay. Thanks. Cheers. Have you spoke to him at all? Not about the transfer. No, I haven't. I tried to stay away from that. <laughs> like, to be honest, um, so yeah, I haven't I haven't spoke to him about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Th- th- this injury. Is it? Firstly, how did it happen? Um. We're not entirely sure, to be honest. Um. I think. Kind of hinted it might have been done during the summer. Before yeah. Came it could have been done in the summer. Um. It's just a kind of freak, freak kind of injury. Um. Which isn't great. It sent me back a few, a few months, but. Um. I'm just happy to be back now and just, hopefully, kick on. Yeah. Because obviously, you played against Leeds. Did you know, or did you think, or did you feel injured, or feel? No, so um, I didn't have a lot of pain. Yeah. So um, I, no, but like, I didn't know what it was. Obviously, I wasn't except like complaining about it. Um, so it was kind of lucky that we got the scan when we did because it was just getting worse and worse. Um, so yeah, lucky we got the scan and then just rested it, and now it's fully recovered. So. It's all good. So it must have been a bit of surprise to yeah. be that injured, even though you were able to play. Exactly. That must yeah. be weird. It was very frustrating um, going from playing, and then a f- couple of days later, finding out that I'm out for a few months or however long. So yeah, it was very frustrating to go from that kind of zero to hundred extreme. Yeah. Is it the worst? Is, is this the worst injury you've had? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably is the worst injury that I've had. Um, just thankful that it wasn't worse than it could have been. Yeah. So yeah. And how how has it been kind of dealing with that? I know it's obviously difficult, but like mentally, how have you been kind of not being part of? Mm, yeah, I think that's just the main thing. Um, being injured is just getting over that sort of mental mental side of it. Um, staying focused, staying positive. We've got a good bunch of boys here, good um, physio set up. So. Um, yeah, it was easy for me to just stay focused and stay positive with yeah. good people around me. Is there anything that I kind of you did to take your mind off it, or was there any like um, was there any, like, hobbies? Or yeah, something you're doing. Not necessarily for me. Um, I'm just football, football, football. So yeah. yeah, I kind of find it hard to kind of get away from it. So you're um, watching a lot of games. Yeah, so that's that was the hardest part for me. Just uh, just watching on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, and now you're kind of how are you, like, how are you feeling these last few performances? Feel good, yeah, yeah, feel good. Now I'm happy to be back out there. I'm starting to feel back to 100% now. So, was there anything like you were having to sort of manage a bit in terms of like, I don't know a sprint or something? Was there anything that consciously? Um, no, not really. I wasn't because I spent so much time. I was pretty eager to just get out there and get back playing again. So I didn't. I've never. It's not in the back of my head or. Anything now? Just looking forward. Yeah, and how are you going? Because obviously, I mean, it's your second. I don't know you haven't quite started where well, you have started, but like, how are you feeling as a player now compared to how you were last season? I know you're alone, but you yourself as a footballer, how do you think you've kind of improved or developed? Um, I think obviously I'm always still developing, um, and with obviously the gaffer and the coaches that they've got here, um, we 
do work on a, a lot of stuff. Um, I do have chats with them about about my game, and I know there's the stuff that they would like me to improve on. Um, so yeah, I think I'm in the right place. Obviously, it's good now. I'm officially a permanent permanent player here, and can um, get working. What are the what are the main things you would like to improve in your on your game? Um, I think just like my positional kind of positional awareness um, and just my all round kind of def- defending, just one v one defending, really. Yeah. I mean. So positional, that's obviously off the ball in terms of. Is that like in certain match situations, or is it just all round? Yeah, in a, of in a match match situation, um, just yeah, just all round, just being solid, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can't, you're conscious, you're conscious that your defensive side to make you kind of the complete mm. fullback. If yeah. you like. Is there anyone you kind of look to to mould your game? Um, well, Ashley Cole is always a, a good a good um, person to idol myself on, and he's a he's been a role model role model for me. Um, growing up, um, especially being at Chelsea, so yeah, you speak to him. Yeah, spoke to him a, a few times. Being a left back, yeah, and um, sort of stuff he's had gave me great advice, um, and also the coaches have always kind of advised me to to watch him and 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 stuff. So yeah, he's always been someone I've been watching. Yeah, and I guess you got you got Macca here as well, of course. Mm. He's a left back. Is he? You've had some yeah. sessions with him. Yeah, yeah, defending defending sessions. With Maka um, and the Gaffer, um, yeah, we're always always working and trying to trying to improve. Yeah, just on the defending, because obviously the team itself probably well, not probably they are shipping more. I know you haven't been a huge part of it yet, but mm. shipping more goals than last season. I know there's been changes to the people involved, but what, what do you what do you think the reasons are behind that? Um, I think to be fair, I just think the goals just. The re- recent, it's just a, a, a bad run of luck. Like we just need to stick together. Um, we we'll get through this a bad patch. Every every team has a has a bad patch. Um, we're currently going through it. We're still playing pretty well. Um, just need to focus on on us, stay together, and we'll get through it through it together. What's been like the sort of vibe in the dressing room when you come back after a game? Like, is that is shouting? Like, what's the general sort of atmosphere been like? Um, to be fair, like it's pretty in-house so I, I don't really want to okay. give away too much information what happens after the, after the games what are you like, in, like when, you, when you've come about how do you kind of deal with defeats what do you... um, I'm, I'm a more of a I'm a pretty positive person to be fair um, obviously if I've played bad I know I've, I've played bad so I'll be disappointed in myself um, but I'm, I'm a pretty positive person just what we look back at the game and see what we what we need to do to, to move on so that was uh, Jada Silva there discussing all things Bristol City. Great, as I say, to see him back playing again. And just to round off the podcast then, which has been pretty packed, then I just want to talk through a couple of recent stories. I want to talk about Lee Johnson a little bit. Um, you may have seen recently that we ran um, a story about Casey Palmer falling out with Lee Johnson. I just want to go over that one a little bit because it's quite an evocative story you get a lot of comments on things like that I I don't want to sort of overplay this but my understanding is that there was a a falling out between Casey Palmer and Lee Johnson but and this kind of thing do not get me wrong happens at every single football club you always get players falling out with their their managers but they make it up we understand that the the, um, Casey and Lee are are friends again now they've made up Casey was back in the team 
to face uh, Shrewsbury last weekend. He played very well. Um, I think he could well be in the, the team going forward. Uh, we did report at the time that Swansea City were, um, were stepping up their interest, but then Lee Johnson, of course, said after the game at the weekend that he is not a player for sale or for loan. So that has put the, the kibosh on, on any outgoing uh, possibility there, really, um, regarding Palmer. Um, and in terms of, yeah, where that, that, that sort of leaves things, it's, it's basically, as I say, not to be overplayed. These kind of things happen at every club. And to be fair to Lee Johnson, uh, we don't hear about that kind of stuff too much. But also, uh, the head coach has, has said himself that he explains part of the problem is that he wants to trim his squad. He's got too many players and too many players want to play. So... Palmer hopefully will be more involved. Um, some players, it does seem, are going to go out on loan. We've just we've just gone through all of those, of course, and uh, the ones that we're hearing about, and that will probably actually make things easier for Lee in, in terms of managing the squad. Um, if you haven't had a chance to lis- uh, listen to it or, or read it, have a look on the website now. We've got a full transcript from Lee Johnson's uh, massive, frankly pre-Wigan press conference, some 28 minutes uh, long, where fair play to the head coach, he's, he's always very good with his time, fantastic uh, engaging with the fans and, and talking pretty, about pretty much anything regarding Bristol City. He covers so much ground there and uh, yeah, do recommend that. And yeah, just, just want to... Just one little story about Dean Holden here, because I don't think this kind of thing gets gets spoken about enough. But Dean, uh, on New Year's Day, came into the press room, because we we don't always see the, the senior coaching staff too much on a match day before matches. But fair play to Dean. He came into the press room and he went around the entire room wishing everybody a, a new year and shaking everybody's hands. Like, I'm, I mean, that might sound like a trivial point, but I think that's a, a lovely little human touch there from the assistant head coach, and just just goes to show you that the, the sort of nice little things that you don't that you wouldn't hear about normally, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's 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 a little indication of, of what it's like on a, on a match day in, um, in terms of of, of seeing uh, yeah the, the senior guys involved at the club, and of course, just rounding off then. Wigan away this weekend, as, we, as we've already said, the Latics not in the best form. They've only had one win in some 15 league games. Do I see this as must win? Quite possibly so. Uh, in terms of Lee Johnson maybe escaping a little bit of pressure because things are beginning to build. As we've said earlier, he's not under, he's not, his job's not under threat at the moment. But I do think if, if things continue to go the way they are, then he might, that, that might well change. However, saying that, seeing the quality of this squad and knowing what Lee Johnson can do, I do expect things to turn around very well. And in fact, there was um, a tweet going around recently explaining that the next six fixtures are very, very favourable for Bristol City. So we would expect to see some good points on the board moving forward. Let's see what happens. Thanks, as ever, for listening to Robins on the Wire. Um, if you didn't see the other day, Michelle Owen brought back, oh, sorry, brought her son Zach down to Ashton Gate, which was great to see. Those guys came along. I think it was for the for the Luton Town game when when they when Bristol City last won. So it wasn't a bad match to go to. And Michelle is due to be back on the podcast. You'll probably be pleased to note uh, next month she's going to be rejoining us in February. So it'll be fantastic to have her back and and maybe Zach along too. And we'll see how Bristol City do this weekend. Come on, you Robins. Thanks for listening. Robins on the Wire.